Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What exactly is the human mind capable of? Does life have some kind of interconnected network? What does mind over matter really mean? Hey there, and welcome to the 505th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those mind-bending questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So this evening, we bring you a guest who's uh, calling in from France on a subject that uh, could be at the heart of the paranormal and life. Tom Oliver is an international business leader, entrepreneur, philanthropist, and safe to say, I think, philosopher who has worked with luminaries such as the Dalai Lama and South African Archbishop Desmond Tutu, as well as CEOs of several Fortune 500 companies. Tom is founder and chairman of the Global Leadership Circle at the Manchester Business School in the UK and founder and CEO of the World Peace Foundation, which Archbishop Tutu has called the most influential peace gathering in history, quote-unquote. Tom is also a member of the Club of Budapest. His latest book, Nothing is Impossible, Seven Steps to Realize Your True Power and Maximize Your Results. His website is tom-oliver.com. So, Tom Oliver, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. I'm very, very excited to be here uh, with you today, and we're going to have so much fun as we remind ourselves that nothing is impossible. Wow, that's quite a note to start off on. <laughs> so before we get into our prepared questions, uh, Tom, not to be nosy, but what are you doing in France? Well, actually, I'm based out of France, Germany, and the U.S., New York. So um, I just happen to be down here right now, and I'm looking out at the ocean as we speak, uh, even though it's dark already, but I can still hear the waves crashing. So it's a, it's been a beautiful day. All right, so can you give us some background on um, what your basic view of reality is? My basic view of reality, I think that um, the real work is done in the mind. And when we master a few key principles, and this is something I've found in overcoming a lot of challenges and obstacles in my personal life, but also in my interaction with the world leaders and, and you know business leaders you just mentioned in your wonderful introduction, if we master a few key principles, um, then we can truly get to a place where nothing is impossible. What we have to remind ourselves that the real work is done in the mind and the real work is effortless, which is, I think, a key ingredient in today's society as we get so caught up in the rat race and everything has to be hard and we tend to just look at obstacles. Hmm. All right, so if somebody tells you uh, that you're just pushing New Age nonsense, how would you respond? Well, you know, I grew up in uh, in uh, um, average middle-class family in a small town in Germany. I was a heavy stutterer since age, age five. I couldn't get a word out in class. Had a load of physical impediments. It had ADHD, was bullied at school, was not born with a silver spoon in my mouth or a big name or a trust fund. I did not know anybody, and now I get to interact with world leaders like the ones you just mentioned, if that is not proof enough that nothing is impossible, you know, what is? So um, it's very, very practical if we master some of these key principles, and it's important to remind ourselves that no matter who we are, no matter where we are, we can do anything we put our minds to, and we can reach our dreams. So how did you get involved with the Dalai Lama and Archbishop uh, Desmond Tutu? You know, I built up the uh, World Peace Foundation. I, I had a vision to to uh, 
built something up which then uh, became the World Peace Festival and the World Peace Foundation, which you mentioned in the beginning. And, um, you know, everybody wants to check you out in the beginning. So you literally, you know, get in touch with all of these people. You build a network from scratch because, again, I did not know anybody, didn't have any connections at all. I just had a burning vision in my heart and a desire to make the world a better place. And in a magical way, but again, very practical way, this took me around the world. And so I got to sit down with the Dalai Lama in a private audience. I'm also a member of the committee of the 100 for Tibet, uh, following a personal invitation by the Dalai Lama, and um, got to interact with people like Tutu and, and, and many others, including business leaders like Rich Branson and leading philanthropists around the world. And it's been, a, it's been you know, it amazes me that the boy I used to be um, with all those problems and difficulties, could actually, um, uh, you know, get to a place where um, I can meet these fantastic people, be inspired by them, work with them, interact with them, um, but also be praised by them. This is something really that is, is still astounding to me. Well, uh, the only contact I had with Archbishop Desmond Tutu was in 1988 at uh, Canterbury Cathedral at the Lambeth Conference, in which I was not participating, only tourist. And he picked, our oldest son, Ben's older brother, got separated from us, and he picked him up and handed him to me. So other than that, I don't know the man, I'm afraid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the funny thing is Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu, and, and you know, they have endured such great adversity, and um, but they have such a great sense of humor. I mean, it's really wonderful, and this is something that unites a lot of these world leaders, I've found personally, that... Um, they have to overcome so many challenges and obstacles and impediments in their lives, but they still take everything lightly. That's because, um, you know, it's such a, a key quality that we have to cultivate, actively cultivate, especially today when we're bombarded by negative news every day and another crisis, you're another one there. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't deny these, obviously, but we have to keep a lightheartedness about things and we have to remind ourselves of what is truly important in our lives, which is, you know, time with loved ones and family, uh, to have a real balance in our lives, uh, time in nature, time with ourselves, and to nurture that quality, which I would call, you know, overall well-being and balance, and not, you know, burning ourselves out. It's very important. You know, you're right, Tom. I, I have to, I have to second that because some of the most negative events that we encounter in paranormal work. And there's, there is a lot of negativity out there in the multiverse, so to speak. Uh, I still think it, it's always overcome by the positive. Some of the, I, I always point out that the worst poltergeist situation I ever encountered in 1975 was overcome by using a joke book. And people look at me and I, I say, you, laughter in a positive sense, humor is so powerful. And that's an expression of the positive. That is 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 really uh, often overlooked. So I, I have to really agree with you there. Um, so I, I haven't even started my main questions yet here, Tom. But what on <laughs> earth is the Club of Budapest? Well, the Club of Budapest is actually a um, was founded by the Dalai Lama and President Gorbachev and um, Irvin Laszlo, is a good friend of mine, and yeah. um, it's a um, it's basically world leaders coming together from all different areas. We have world famous artists and uh, like. Peter Gabriel in there, you know, the musician. We have uh, Paulo Coelho who wrote The Alchemist. Um, we have uh, former heads of state and many, many other thought, lead, thought leaders. And we come together regularly and uh, we just came back from China to interact with the new government there and, 
and to uh, see that the agenda for kind of a sustainable eco-civilization gets advanced. So it's, it's uh, you know, very um, rewarding work for me personally. You must have fun at the hands of conspiracy theorists, you know, like the talking about the Bilderbergers and the Club of Budapest. <laughs> <laughs> we don't get into that much on this show, but they, they do seem to come out of the woodwork from time to time. Okay, now let's get into the meat and potatoes here, Tom, if we could. Uh, your literature is very interesting. It's full of terms like uh, turning personal challenges into assets and successes, tips for taking advantage of connectivity to access information and ideas, defining uh, safety nets and why we need to dispense with that. It's almost typical, it's a little deeper, but it's almost typical business coach material. You do hear this a lot. But what we're interested in is your view of the reality behind all that, how it actually works. So how does the human mind really work? What is it on a concrete level? How is it connected with other people and all other life? I know that's a very narrow question, but go ahead. (laughs) This is definitely a loaded question, but an excellent one. So I think that um, we first have to realize that it all starts in the mind. The real work is done in the mind. And when you ask people who have done the seemingly impossible, people who have pushed their own and the world's boundaries, people who have left others in awe, in whatever area, you know, it could be some somebody like, uh, you know, uh, the Dalai Lama or, you know, a mountaineer, a, an, an athlete who's done the virtually impossible, a business renegade like Richard Branson, could really be anyone from any area. And when you talk to these people, I think that something that will astound everybody is that one of the answers that you get back is that they really, the biggest work was done in their minds. This is really where it starts. We create our own reality. Yes, we have to put constructive physical action behind it, but it all starts in the mind. The real work is done in the mind. And that is very, very important. And ultimately, same as you said before with your, with your story of, of the humor and the positivity, we have to remind ourselves that we get what we focus on. What we focus on expands. So we should be very careful not to get caught up in the negativity of news and media, the educational system when we grow up and everything. And this is a very loaded concept. It's tied to other concepts like weaknesses, for instance. You know, we're taught to not make mistakes to be almost ashamed of our mistakes and our weaknesses, to work on improving them and not working on our strengths and so on. So um, if I may, um, do I have time to elaborate just a little bit on, on the concept how all information is connected, or should we get to that later? Well, there, yes, we, we should get to that very soon, but I, let, let me approach this from another direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not known too many shamans, but the ones I've known have been really giants, I think, in, in uh, among their own cultures and communities. Uh, one I'm thinking of in Quebec, and another one I'm thinking of in Australia. And mm-hmm. the ones I have known beyond them even have told me that what they do in their work as shamans, you know, medicine men, is, for those who don't know what a shaman is, is they use... The multiverse, what phys- physicists would call the multiverse, p- parallel worlds that actually exist and uh, in an open system, give and take with ours, mm-hmm. and that we live in many. It's a, you, know, you know how that is. And anybody listening mm-hmm. to the show hears it ad nauseum. But they will go into a world where something positive that they need or someone in their community needs collapse the wave function, as a physicist might say, and make it real in our world. Mm-hmm. 
Is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Oh, absolutely. And it's very, very practical. Let's get this down exactly, to a very yeah. practical level. Right. Imagine that there are literally infinite probable realities, and they're all connected. And so we can literally tune in to some of these other probable realities, and by focusing on them, we can materialize them. And um, let's take this down to a very, very practical, you know, almost business-like level, as you mentioned before. Um, what happens when we actually tune into role models? You know, you hear this again and again. People growing up, they focus on something. Even very mundane examples like Madonna focused on Michael Jackson all the time. Rihanna focused on um, um, Madonna, for instance, growing up and so on. What happens is that we assimilate the skill sets and belief systems of our role models and then adapt them to our personality. So what happens is we tune into their worldview, and this in turn allows us to access skill sets and belief systems and open doors to hidden talents we never thought we had. And this is very, very, very practical. So there is a theoretical concept. It's everything is connected. There is an invisible web that connects every single person, every single information, past, present, and future, and there is a web of probable realities. And as you pointed out correctly before, we can tune into any probable reality and materialize it for ourselves in our own lives. Then wouldn't that conflict with the idea of uh, individualism or uh, the idea of the self-created um, reality? No, this is actually what I'm trying to say. Is this is very, um, it's very subjective because we tune into a probable reality we want to materialize for ourselves. And we pull from that, the, that web of infinite probable realities, um, we pull the ones into our lives we focus on. And the stronger our desire, the stronger our intent, um, and the more emotion and passion we, do, we put behind it, um, the more we will actually draw that probable reality into our lives and make it real. Okay, now I, I'm with you, Tom. All right. Mm -hmm. But here's an important point, I think, we think. Mm -hmm. The notion of the self, the, the notion of the self that we have in Western society is uh -huh. unusual in the history of human spirituality and thinking. All right. Uh -huh. we, want to, we, we want to be, uh, we focus on the self, not only do we want to be ourselves now, we want to be ourselves after we die, and we want to be mm -hmm. ourselves forever. I mean, effectively, that's what Western spirituality says. I have mm -hmm. a problem with that. I'm thinking in mm -hmm. terms of uh, the great physicist and mystic, uh, I mean, Gatswami, Dr. Gatswami, who, who says that the, there is no such thing as the self. It is an illusion. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. It is, in, a, in fact, a, a sense of self-reference. Okay, mm -hmm. and getting into spirituality of uh, Eastern, uh, even Eastern Christian spirituality of uh, Oriental, spir you know, of any kind, they really seem to realize that, and so did these shamans I mentioned. All right, what say you on the notion of this? And, and, now you mentioned the connectivity that that that's the changer I think um, in what we're talking about. I think you're you may be bringing the self out of the self and into a connect connectivity with every other. Everything else really in the biosphere, not just other people. Is that is that what you're doing, or is it is this is this more inward looking? Well, coming back to what you said with the self, I think that um, what you refer to is something that most of our listeners have definitely experienced. 
um, this notion of clinging to the self as, you know, I want to stay myself for as long as I possibly can. What the self really is, is we are eternal consciousness. No energy is ever lost. So we are eternal consciousness or awareness, whatever, you know, term you may use in whatever, you know, society or culture, but they all mean the same thing. We are eternal, none of that energy is ever lost, and we are eternal consciousness or awareness. And so, of course, we're ever-changing. None of us is the same we were, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Not even our bodies are the same because the cells all change. Exactly, exactly. We constantly change, but, and here we bring the uh, web of, of probable realities into this, we can decide what different versions of our probable selves we tune into by uh, focusing on different probable realities, different talents, different unique gifts or strengths we want to bring to the fore, and so on and so on. And obviously, the decisions we take each and every day. And, uh, you know, uh, you decide to become a doctor instead of a lawyer or an artist instead of pursuing a career in business, and so on and so on. These are conscious choices we make. However, and let's get a bit uh, deeper into the rabbit hole, there is a, an other probable reality, an alternative probable reality, an other, another probable you that actually chose the businessman instead of the doctor, okay, or the artist for that matter. And you can still tune in to that other self, and then these paths can cross. And this is the explanation for why some people at some point in their lives, even, you know, past 40, 50, whatever, um, starting completely other careers and then suddenly become extremely successful. And everybody wonders, you know, why is that? Because they were tuning into that other probable reality, in that, into that other probable self. And again, don't get me wrong, it's very practical, it's very, very personal, and it's very real. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have any problem with that at all. I mean, that, that's very often the way we kind of look at it, I think, mm. Ben, right? Yeah, just different so. terms, but still the same thing. Now, let's look at it from another right. perspective. How would you explain this to someone who is in poverty, is down and out, um, has no hope, or thinks they don't have any hope? And uh, I, I guess it seems as though... You know, you, in the end, you, it all comes down to the individual decision. Am I correct? Well... Um, I guess we're raising the topic of challenges, right? Could we call them challenges maybe or obstacles? Yeah, there are a lot of people facing a lot of challenges today. Exactly. And you are completely right. At some point, we all face tremendous challenges, not in not just in our daily lives, but especially when we're going for what I would call our highest dreams or our personal vision of what our ideal life could look like. Um, could I share a personal story with you? Please. Yeah, go for and it. And listen. Um you know, like most of our listeners, I've experienced tremendous challenges in my life. And, for example, when I grew up, I was a heavy stutterer, and I could not get a word out in class. And I had a load of physical impediments. Um, when I discovered the constructive energy behind these challenges, however, I could finally turn this extremely challenging situation around, free myself from my problems, and then use this underlying positive energy that had been there all along to do very constructive things with it. Um, so in my personal case, um, and I had been a stutterer since the age of five, and I had a load of other physical problems and, and ailments, and nervous twitching and involuntary body spasms and so on. 
I discovered once I went to the U.S. and I, I got a scholarship to go to boarding school, suddenly athletic sports was on every afternoon. And this was something new to me. I grew up in Germany and then I came to the U.S. And that was new. And suddenly realized I had been holding back and suppressing that energy all along. I'd been hyperactive. I'd always been ADHD, but I didn't realize it. And so I suddenly saw I had to flip the coin. And I had to not label this challenge as bad or that energy, but I had to look at the other side of the coin. How could I actually use this constructively? And this freaked me up. I could eventually freak myself from all of my problems by like the age of 20. I learned to speak five languages fluently, became a global keynote speaker, and could suddenly do a lot of athletic feats I never thought possible. And again, if I can do it, anyone can do it. All we have to do is master a few key principles. Now, coming back to the challenges, we have to realize that any challenge or obstacle is actually um, a blessing in disguise. We have to ask ourselves, what are the gifts behind the challenges we face? And if we look closely, we can discover that our greatest challenges are really our greatest assets and hold tremendous opportunities. But we have to be willing to look into that direction and change our mindset. Okay. All right. Uh, well said. All right. Now, moving into, uh, again, the, the realm of, of connectivity, uh, mm-hmm. we see that too. We see uh, what well, I call it in my last book, the unity. Uh, Ubuntu, in a sense, in the mm-hmm. African sense, you know, everything I do affects you, everything you do affects me. Mm-hmm. How do you get this message? How, how do you do connectivity? How, how do you reach out to individuals who are average okay now everybody on the level in which uh, you know people operate sometimes who have been former leaders and uh, heads of state and big cheeses of various sorts will always talk uh, with uh, about and i'm sure with great sincerity about the people you know the masses the masses i i i, I can't stand the socialist term the masses and i can't stand the capitalist term consumers consumers you know how do you reach out to the actual people with messages such as you uh, are ex- explaining tonight, but other than you know, aside from this radio show and others that I'm sure you do. <laughs> well, you know, I um, when I teach global MBA students uh, at Manchester Business School, and and we have people from over 32 countries there, students from all sorts of backgrounds, everything. You have to learn language, which is very universal, and mm. you're facing people from a lot of different cultures. So, and it's got to be very practical because everybody looks for very specific practical tools. I always compare, let's take an example, okay, the connectivity. Uh, today it's, it's, it's simple because we can connect the connectivity to the World Wide Web. And if we're looking at it, the World Wide Web is really an outside replica of that inner world where everything is all one and all connected. And then it's quite easy to cross the bridge and explain how you can draw any information that you desire from that vast inner field of connectivity, past, present, or future. And obviously it's important to remind ourselves that our desire draws the information to us. All artists know that. All great inventors know that. Um, But we have to stay open and receptive and keep what we could call a beginner's mind. You know this great saying, in the expert's mind there are few possibilities, in the beginner's there are many. That's true. You know, this is why a lot of the great inventions were actually made by amateurs, because in the amateur's mind, there are many possibilities. 
So as long as we stay open and receptive, keep a beginner's mind, and not have too many preconceived ideas about the answer or solution we're looking for, we can access that information. Again, no energy is ever lost, no information is ever lost, and with the World Wide Web, people can understand this now in very practical terms. All right. Let's uh, move to another level here, and I don't want to get nuts, but this is a show about the paranormal, right? <laughs> sure, uh, sure. We see, and certainly uh, me for many decades working in this field, have seen a lot of negativity coming from, shall we say, outside, okay? Folklore interprets it as demons and things of this kind, but th- there does seem to be, out in this multiverse, uh, life forms, if you will, that do seem to um, do what mosquitoes do and feed upon the negative energy that is produced by such as ourselves. You know, uh, mm-hmm. one wonders about their influence in government and everything. I said again, not to get crazy here, but I mean, it does. You know, th- th- there are a lot of questions that have arisen in, in our work and this sort of thing. Um, and certainly, uh, just to say, the positive things that you talk about can do a great deal to overcome that and to and to repel mm-hmm. this kind of negativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, in your work with people and with leaders, do you feel that you ever encounter negativity that is coming from somewhere or somewhere else that is pretty powerful and shouldn't really be here? I mean, it's, it's, maybe it's a not a well phrased question, but you know, I think you know what I'm getting at. No, absolutely, and, and you phrase it really well. I think that, again, it's, it comes back to the universal truth that we are our own ultimate and greatest authority, and we are not exposed to negativity without consciously deciding that we let it in. So what I mean by that is if we give ourselves suggestions that, for instance, we will only react to constructive influences and suggestions, this automatically provides a shield against that. And we face negativity not just from that other realm, but, you know, in our everyday lives. Uh, You know, even with simple things like people, you know, coming to us not with the best of intentions and so on and so on. And I think especially people who have seen great adversity and then have risen to uh, extraordinary success in whatever arena, you know, it could could be business, could be society, could be an NGO, could be peace and so on have faced tremendous adversity and um, um, from, from any realm, so to speak. And it's very important that we, um, that we we're fully conscious of the fact that we are the masters, we're the captains of our own ship, so to speak. And if we are telling ourselves that we will only react to constructive suggestions and influences, we can become immune against those influences. Okay. Well, we're going to take a break. On that note, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back with our guest, Tom Oliver. Stick with us. Hi, I'm Greg Bell, the host of Win Radio Was. I'm Mortimer. Bill. Is that you under that blindfold? Bill. With this thing on, I can't see who I am. No, I imagine not. <laughs> can't you see anything at all under that blindfold? On a clear day, I can see the blindfold. You can. Yeah. Win Radio Was. Shows from the past for today's imaginations. Win Radio Was airs Monday through Friday right here on ON 1240 Radio at 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. And we wanted to tell you about some charities, of course, that Ben and I have adopted. You can find all of them at BehindTheParanormal.com and NewEnglandGhosts.com, our two primary websites. 
I uh, certainly wanted to point out that Builders Helping Heroes here locally in, in uh, Rhode Island and southeastern Massachusetts, the Builders Association, have uh, been building a home in cooperation with Homes for Our Troops for a uh, young Marine who lost both his legs in Afghanistan. It's a beautiful place out in Burrowville, Rhode Island, and they're going to be having the key ceremony there on December 21st. Uh, I'll be there. Maybe Ben will come with me. And uh, wonderful, wonderful people. Also, Canadian Veterans Advocacy for our Canadian listeners. Uh, Mike Blaze up there in Ontario has done a tremendous job. Uh, legislative and legal advocacy for Canada's veterans who, as you know, have stood by us uh, since the 9-11 uh, with great solidarity. So uh, check those out, CanadianVeteransAdvocacy.org, BuildersHelpingHeroes.org. Okay, let's get back to our show. And our guest, Tom Oliver, speaking to us from France this evening, a man who gets around. Mm. Uh, Tom, I, Ben, did you want to start with a question? Because I have... Uh, I'm working on it, so go. Oh, okay. Go. Tom, uh, let's expand what you've said, and I, it's very positive, which is, of course, the, the magic word here. Suppose we're in Indonesia during the tsunami, or just in the, the Philippines, where mm-hmm. this, this terrible disaster mm-hmm. has occurred with the hurricane, and uh, you know, how do you take what we, we've been saying is very practical approach to being positive and to, and to mm-hmm. discovering and, and to making things good occur in our world. How do you take that and translate it to a situation as awful as that, these natural disasters? Right. And it's not just, um, I, you know, this is a great question. And um, it, it's not just about positivity per se. We all have an inner agenda. And this is something when, for instance, you know, the New Year is coming up and, uh, you know, on the note of New Year resolutions, why do so many New Year resolutions fail? Because a lot of people set very superficial goals and they do not take into account that we all have an inner agenda. And so the goals are not connected to the inner agenda, the resolution. So going back to the example you gave, which is an excellent one, by the way, the... Um, People choose to be in challenges for a reason. I know this goes against popular belief and will make a few people, you know, shout out and say, you know, that's heresy. But we all choose our difficulties and challenges. But we have to look at it from a helicopter perspective. Often we cannot connect the dots looking forward. But in hindsight, everybody usually agrees that mastering any tragedy or major challenge has added something fundamentally positive to their lives. Um, Usually these are turning points. People learn something in these challenges. But again, we all choose these challenges for a reason. That's one. Now, there's obviously the other aspect that you draw negative um, events into your life by focusing on negative probable reality. Now, that's obviously the other end of the spectrum. But um, not everybody is involved in challenges for their own personal reason. And if we're looking at natural disasters, these are obviously, you know, tremendous challenges people face. But again, we always have to look at the personal agenda. There is no one-size-fits-all answer to that question. But again, we have to look at tragedies or seeming tragedies um, in another way, that they're often blessings in disguise. They, they contain gifts that we have to unwrap. But we can only see this if we're willing to look that way and adopt that mindset. Well, I'm sure there are too many horrified listeners rear-ending each other on Interstate 95 right now, but uh, <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I see, I, I agree. I, I see exactly what you're saying there. Um, one of the... Uh, 
questions that, that does arise too here, Tom, is the uh, the issue of mental illness. Mm-hmm. We run into that question all the time in dealing with people. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're seeing ghosts or having you know conversations with mm-hmm. uh, aliens or something, you know, the first question arises: are, is is there uh, some sort of psychiatric issue going on here? And sometimes mm-hmm. the paranormal and the psychiatric can be intertwined, which is really mm-hmm. a pain in the neck because you have to untangle it. Uh, mm-hmm. How do, how would you deal with uh, mental illness on the individual level and even on the social level? I mean, one can argue mm-hmm. that nations and cultures can be deranged to a certain degree, <laughs> you know. And uh, how how would you apply your philosophy to that? Well, excellent, excellent, excellent point. And um, you're obviously taking us very far down the rabbit hole, and I very much appreciate That's that. That's where we live. Yeah, I know. It's fantastic. <laughs> So, um, I, first off, I'm strongly against medication. I don't believe in medication. And yeah, I nor do I. ADHD. Yeah, I mentioned ADHD before. You know, I grew up being ADHD. Nobody knew at the time that I was or what it was and what whatever. And so many uh, kids are put on, on medication today uh, just because they're a nuisance to, you know, the teachers or the parents, whatever. Instead of putting the energy con- to constructive use. What we have in that case of ADHD, you know, come full circle in a second. Um, what we have in that case is a, um, a lack of understanding for what's actually going on in that person. There is a lot of constructive energy that wants to be aligned and that wants to have a constructive outlet. Now, if we do not give it an outlet, it's going to be impeded. Now, once we're dealing with impeded energy, four sorts of problems arise. Like I walk down the streets like a zombie on acid when I grew up, and I couldn't get a word out in class. Again, as I said, all these problems have vanished now because I could look at the constructive energy behind it. I was suppressing rather than expressing it. And that's a very valid point. When we talk about mental illness, there are sets of belief systems that have not been properly examined and that have not been aligned constructively and we grow up with limiting beliefs and um, an array of erroneous beliefs um, in our western society in any society but you know especially our western society and so no wonder sometimes whole nations seem deranged as you said <laughs> I certainly agree yeah. and even even if we look at the amount of money we're spending and obviously this comes from a m- man who's done a lot for world peace but still the amount of money we're spending on, on military is, is insane if you compare it to uh, the money we're spending on improving the educational system and so on. So on. I mean, it's literally, we're not, being, we're not getting into that, but this is a sign again of, in, of uh, belief systems that have not been properly aligned or examined. And we have this individual case with, you know, somebody, uh, you know, we would call mentally insane, um, the way we deal with it, we either lock them away or we put them on medication. Um, the chemistry is not the problem. The belief system are the problem. As, again, as we said in the beginning, the real work is done in the mind, but most of us do not do that work um, because that work is not correctly taught at schools, not taught by our parents, by society, by the news, and so on. So no wonder we grow up and we have all sorts of problems. Hmm. All right, I, I can agree with that. So, after saying all this for the last 40 minutes, how does one strike a balance between this sort of um, uh, 
control of one's reality with your work and daily life or whatever, because we're talking about great cosmic questions. How does one fit that into the small little cubicle that is our daily lives? Well, again, as we said before, all this is very, very practical. It's not theoretical. It's very practical. Mm -hmm. This is really how the work is done. This is how we create our whole reality in our cubicle every morning when we get up. And we do have a choice. You know, do I get up? Do I start to, I mean, very simple example. Do I get up? Do I start to complain? You know, I had this great conversation with the Dalai Lama when I met him in a private audience. And he said, you know, the way he goes about when something tragic happens, and he said, you know, he's certainly seen a lot of adversity being in exile for over 50 years. Tibet is being persecuted around the world and so on, especially by China. So he says, um, the way he goes about anything tragic or, you know, what you would call negative that happens, you know, he looks at it and says, if I cannot change it, there is no use worrying about it or complaining about it then I better invest my energy, focus my energy on something else that's more constructive. If I can change it, well, I better channel my energy into changing it. Now, this simple, what I would call, you know, Dalai Lama rule, would radically improve the happiness and daily life of, you know, most Germans, for instance, growing up in Germany, you know, I can say that, because they spent most of their time complaining uh, about what they cannot change or basically worrying about things instead of putting mental and physical construction, constructive action into it. So again, it's very practical. We all have a choice. We're not victims. We do have a choice, and it starts from the moment we get up. Agreed. In the morning. Yeah, I really yeah. agree with that. Well, you were talking about role models before, Tom, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, I often uh, sit around with Ben's mom, and uh, I don't. I don't usually watch television. I don't have time, but I sometimes watch the news. And uh, having been a newsman myself in journalism for thirty-five years, I kind of can't help it, as negative as it may be. <laughs> and I sort of, you know, the head goes into the hands, and I start groaning about civilization. And I, I there's only really that much you could do about it. So, well, not from our conversation with Tom. And apparently, there there is uh, quite a bit to do. You can do about it if people get positive. You know. Oh, true. Um, yeah. So in any case, the neg- the negative role models, because uh, we were mm-hmm. talking about role models, I say, um, it, mm-hmm. I, it just, and I'm I'm mainly just um, groaning about civilization here, I guess, but I'm just uh, horrified by the negativity of the role models, particularly among athletes and uh, even, I mean, I used to stand outside the White House as a kid of ten, mm-hmm. visiting mm-hmm. my brother who was a professor in Washington, and I was so awed by everything, and now you know. Kids stand outside and gee, who's going to be arrested next or who's not going to be arrested? You know, I mean, it's really negative. You know, how do we deal with that on this scale? I think we're overwhelmed with negativity, you know? Well, you know, I, I, I actually do know uh, quite a few people who wanted to put out positive news stations, you know? Yeah. And news, you mentioned the news before. That's a big problem because the news is convinced that people want to hear negative news. Yeah, and, and, and so the old saying of, when I was at newspapers was, uh, good news doesn't make good news. Right, <laughs> which is obviously insane already. Yeah, and I didn't agree with it, but, who, yeah. you know, like they're going to listen to right. me. Exactly. Well, you know, got to pay your bills, you know, got to yep. have a job. So um, you got you got to play, uh, you know, within the system. But then again, that step back for a second, look at it. There is at least, and I'm sure even the most pessim- you know, most pessimistic people in society can agree with that, there is at least... 50% as much uh, positive news as negative news, okay? Oh, more. So at least the news, you know, of course there's more, but at 
least 50, if we can all agree on that, sure. and, yeah. and most of our listeners. So at least news should reflect a 50-50. But if you look at news, it's maybe 98-2 or 97-3, I don't know, 95-5, we're really positive or optimistic. You know, and so obviously a lot of the positive news doesn't even make it out. You know, it's suppressed. And, and obviously that shapes society, that influences society. But then again, we in turn also influence news and media, each and every one of us. You know, this is not detached. It's not like, you know, so we can um, choose to listen to something or not. We can choose to switch to another channel. We can choose to tell, you know, the good positive news we heard to our neighbors, our friends, our parents, our children, and so on. We do not have to buy into that. And if we all did that, the world would change dramatically. So a lot of people are saying, well, I cannot do anything. Well, you know, trust me, I've sat across some self-made billionaires who looked me in the face and said, you know, I, I cannot, you know, how can I change the world? What can I do, you know? I'm just one person. How can I, you know, turn things around? And they can, you know, turn things around tremendously, especially in the third world. And that was actually in a third world country. So what I mean by that is it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter where we are. We all have a choice. And change starts with ourselves. And yeah, we have yeah. to make that decision to turn things around. So, again, coming back to the role models, um, it, it, we can choose to focus on the positive role models that inspire us um, instead of, you know, choosing to focus on the negative role models. Okay, yeah, no, I, th that sounds perfectly reasonable. Um, l let's look in a different corner of the rabbit hole, Tom, okay? Mm -hmm. All right, mm -hmm. we were talking about the self and what it is and how it works in this business. There is the principle of the paradox that I happen to agree with, and it would say something like, in order to find yourself, forget yourself, and then you will find yourself. You know, and the multiverse seems full of these paradoxes, things that apparently uh, are true but are not, and the opposite is actually what what what, what will do that. Um, does that come into play at any point in the idea? Because I think there's nothing more damaging ultimately than looking inward, as we do in the West, and the idea seems to be you sort of accept yourself and then forget yourself and find yourself in the other now does that what say you um i um okay forget yourself in terms of, i think it's if you mean forget yourself in terms of forgetting our preconceived notions of who we think we are uh for some time during the day or regularly i think that helps us to find new parts of ourselves or to access hidden areas, talents, skill sets, and so on, and to really reach our full potential. Why is that? If we look at a corporation like Google, for instance, they do this in a very clever, smart fashion. They integrate um, this whole area of laziness, of fun, of kind of what I would call forgetting yourself, letting the mind go into a free drive into that corporate culture. If you go to Silicon Valley to so the headquarters, what you see is a lap pool, free massages, arcade games, giant Hulk statues, <laughs> you know, yeah. and all this stuff. You know, Germans would look at it and think, these guys aren't working. That's pure fun, you know? Mm -hmm. But by creating an atmosphere like that, 
they allow their employees to tune out of the problems and the challenges at hand. So they have realized that we're most creative precisely when we're not aware of the problem and we're not aware that we're actually being creative. Maybe we focus on something else. And then our subconscious can find the information we're looking for and we have those breakthrough moments. So, so you just... forget. Yes, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Uh, you just said the magic word, subconscious. Let me give you a practical example of what I'm getting at here, Tom. I mean, we're kind of mm-hmm. coming down to the end, but we got time. Okay, thank you, Ben, Mr. Producer. Welcome. All right. Uh, <laughs> when we, I've spoken with 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 astounding, I suppose what would generally be called psychics, people with incredible vision, and uh, people who can do all kinds of amazing things that um, I think are sort of part of all of us, but. And they'll and they'll say, well, I don't. I so how do you do that? They say, well, I don't think about. It. If I think about it, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm talking about um, bringing in more of the heart than the mind when it comes to forgetting the self. Ourselves in the West, we like to plan and um, and 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 everything has to be systematized and and all this business. Whereas if you let that go, maybe maybe from what you're saying, that part of the self, if you let it go, things. Things do tend to, to come into place because your subconscious, which in our opinion is all the lives you're living in parallel worlds, all the wisdom, all the fears, all the good things, all the bad things, hopefully in balance, which is what we're working for, that is what does the governing rather than the conscious mind in one place here. Here's another example quickly. My wife and I, Ben's mom and I, had our 25th wedding anniversary some years ago. I'm not going to tell you how old I am. And uh, people said, "Oh, you know, uh, how did you how did you do this? Uh, you know, and you, you know, you're you're a great couple." And uh, listen, I said, "You know, we, you know, what were your what were your plans and dreams when you started out?" I said, "We had no plans and dreams. We were together. Mm-hmm. We we uh, put it in the hands of God. We just said uh, we love each other, and, and everything, all kinds of amazing and good things have come from that. Where I sometimes suspect that if if we thought about it and planned it, it wouldn't have happened that way. So I don't know. I mean, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is it better to let it go and stay positive, bring it in, be active in a positive sense, but really to just kind of let it go and let the subconscious do the governance? You see what I'm getting at? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And um, throughout my life as a, as a singer-songwriter and creative artist, there is that process where, you know, you have to step back and let the magic happen. Right. And uh, this yeah. is something when, when I call this the invisible hands. When you sit down at the piano, you have a tune forming in your head, and suddenly the hands move by themselves. But let's, let's take this even further. Any project, idea, even product, service, or business, has a life of its own. And we have to learn to trust the creative process and let the energy flow. And I mean that the creative, that magic we talked about and you talked about happens precisely when you step back and let that inner wisdom that simply knows more than you do take over. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a very, very important point. And you mentioned exactly people are too rigid. You know, it's in the same way corporations try to force innovation. Innovation cannot be forced. You need a minimum structure, and you need to understand that the process of, inf- of innovation is not a linear process. Right. You, to, you know, set the stage. You have to focus on your vision of the ideal outcome, provide a minimum structure, then step back and watch the creative process unfold. 
and you have to trust that the forces behind any creation or project or innovation will take you there, and they will. Excellent. We're burning up the hour here, so I want to give you a chance to talk about your book, your website, what you're doing. So, go. Oh, I'd love to. Um, and, uh, you know, I can't believe time went by so fast. And I, this was so exciting, especially because, because you took us uh, so far down the rabbit hole, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> yes. um, I know, I'm so sorry I couldn't share everything I wanted. Um, but, again, there's so much more on my website. It's tom-oliver.com. My name is so common I have to put a dash between it. So, again, <laughs> it's tom-oliver.com. Uh, you can even download a free chapter of my book. Um, my book, Nothing is Impossible, is available through all the online and traditional bookstores. Nothing is impossible. Excellent. So what does the future hold for you? What do you, what do you have going on? What do I have going on? What, what don't uh, you have going on? <laughs> what don't I have going on? Well, you know, that's, that's always, uh, it's, it's, um, it's tricky because you have to keep that balance, especially if you wear so many hats. You know, you have to keep that ideal balance. And we talked about balance a bit before. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's, it's very, very important. And, and something that um, uh, always astounds me where opportunities come out of nowhere. I mean, it's really fantastic. That's for you know? sure. Yeah. And it, it's brilliant. And um, what I got going on, I'm, I'm, I'm at speaking actually a lot. I'm speaking around the world. And, and um, I'm, uh, I'm balancing that with obviously all the activities for the book. So... Um, we're going to do TV for the book as well, and, and obviously, you know, exciting shows like yours. Um, and uh, then I'm obviously still teaching at uh, at the, the business school you mentioned um, uh, at Manchester Business School, and and then um, being in all these committees uh, we mentioned before. So it's it's quite a you know fine line, and I'm doing concerts at the same time and consulting corporates and um, teaching people on how to induce states of peak performance and. And, you know, what the secrets behind innovation are and so and so on, which, uh, you know, especially a lot of corporations are very grateful for. So there's a lot out there. The hours are definitely not enough in the day. No, but, tell you know, us. with the right mindset and enough balance, it's always important to keep that balance. And I have to learn that the hard way, you know, especially the time with yourself, with friends and family, with nature is so key and it's so important. And, you know, when we grow up, we listen to them, you know, it's a phrase, oh, yeah, you know, well balanced, you know, but it's so if you let that ball drop, it you know it becomes shattered. You don't get it back. So mm-hmm. it's very very important. Okay. And if you had a final, I'm sorry. Yeah. If you had a final word for our poor listeners uh, sitting out there in bumper to bumper traffic, what would it be? Um, I've come to believe and experience that nothing is impossible when we clearly define where we want to go. We have to define our destination then make a plan how to get there and take constructive mental and physical action. And to all our listeners out there, it's key that we refuse to focus on obstacles. We refuse to focus on our weaknesses, but rather on our unique gifts and talents. Once we do that, I believe we we get to a point where truly nothing is impossible. No matter who we are, no matter where we are, we can accomplish anything we put our mind to. And I'll take uh, the liberty of echoing that uh, to the Boston Bruins uh, hockey team who are playing uh, right here on ON right after our show. So uh, good luck to them tonight. Uh, who are they playing tonight? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, it's just so, so much of a sports fan I am. But we're always uh, the I, Bruins. Yeah, I can't, uh, I can't well. pay attention to media for class. Right, okay. <laughs> but anyway, well, Tom, uh, great conversation. Thank you so much. And, uh, it's we'll, been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Wow, we'll definitely have you back. Very, very exciting. 
No, okay, it's get to bed. It's it's uh, must be one in the morning where you are almost. It, it, it actually is, but you know, um, for an exciting conversations like ours, you know, I would stay up all night. Well, that's great. Oh, wow, I appreciate thank that. <laughs> thank you very much. Take care, Tom. Thank you. Very good. Bye. All right, Tom Oliver, everybody. Okay, so let's do our announcements. All right, so you can visit our show website at BehindTheParanormal.com where you can find over 500 free podcasts of all our past shows. You can also check out our site at www.NewEnglandGhosts.com where there are case studies and photos along with articles by my dad. And I'm thinking of one or two more articles to add. I know that uh, what are you, what unless, are you thinking of? on last night's show, uh, came up. Uh, I finally managed to surprise my son. Uh, we came up with the term the uh, flashing nexus. Ah, uh, yes. In our conversation on our CBS edition uh, with uh, Rex Sexton, who was an amazing artist, novelist, and poet, who had uh, one of the more unusual uh, near-death experiences that I that was really heard interesting, of. extremely interesting. Yeah, quiet fellow, but very interesting discussion. Mm. Uh, that podcast is up, by the way, behind the paranormal.com. Anyway, I was thinking of writing an article about that because you'd never heard the term before. Nope. Anyway, uh, you can find my books on Barnes & Noble Nook e-reader and Amazon Kindle. And if you buy them directly at BehindTheParanormal.com, I will autograph them for you. Big thrill there. <laughs> and you will help us keep all those podcasts free. Uh, also on our sites, you'll find direct links to several charities that Ben and I have adopted and that we mentioned, including USA Cares, Builders Helping Heroes, and Canadian Veterans Advocacy. Our CBS radio edition of the show on Sunday, December 1st in Boston, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Windsor, and Seattle, Vancouver, we will bring you an open line show to answer your questions on all areas of the paranormal. And, and uh, we encourage you to write. We've got questions that we're still dealing with from 2010. But eventually we will get to yours. <laughs> Sooner or later, before we retire, the, I hope to get, get to get to them. And yeah. some of them are so interesting and so relevant that I do move them up. I suppose that's not really fair. But you, you'll have a better chance of getting your questions answered if it is shorter. I know that's difficult because many situations uh, are complex paranormal right, problems. Right, and then we usually say paradoxical things like, well, we need more information. But um, Yeah, I know. It's difficult that way. But right, feel free but, to write to us in any length, and we will try to get to it even if it's bits and pieces. Right. right. Don't forget about our show Facebook page, Behind the Paranormal. And you can find us on Facebook. You can like us. You can send us messages if that's easier for you. If you don't yep, want to right. email that's us, right. you can also email Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com where you, you can uh, get your questions in to us. Mm-hmm. And next Monday, December 2nd, right here on WON1240 and ONWorldwide.com, we will also bring you an open line show and catch up on some of those uh, latest paranormal news segments that we almost never get to do. So get your questions to us at PaulBehindTheParanormal.com or via our show Facebook page. And uh, so we, well, the, yeah. you know, the the issue of of um, uh, the Facebook page, we had a form on our website. We're, we're working on that. It's oh, not yeah. working right now, but so just to send the email, there's a link there on on the uh, sites, or you can certainly write to us by snail mail at the W O O N twelve forty a m. Uh, 985 Park Avenue, Woonsocket, Rhode Island, uh, 02895. You can do that as well. So there are lots of ways to communicate with us. I personally think Facebook's much easier. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. You don't have to put it in the public section. Just send a message, and uh, we will get it and, and uh, act upon it as best we can. Indeed. So this evening, we will leave you with a quote from my dad. Any people who take their blessings for granted will lose them. And I, I'm sorry, were you going to add to that? No, I was going to say a very, very happy Thanksgiving oh, to yes. everyone yes, uh, in the United States Thursday. where that's being celebrated on Thursday. I'm Ben Eno. And I'm Paul Eno. Uh, thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And again, a wonderful Thanksgiving. See you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.